I, Gerald R. Ford, do grant. The other passengers there reluctantly gave up their seats, but I refused. The young man makes up his mind to work. There's no limit to what he can do. This is truly the next chapter in General Motors' recovery and turnaround. You're living at a time of extremism, a time of revolution. Time again to talk about our state's history with the help of our partners at the Michigan History Center. You have most likely heard that the Detroit Red Wings played their final game at Joe Louis Arena this past Sunday. But did you know that the Detroit Red Wings' very first outdoor game wasn't at a stadium or even in a big city? It was at the self-proclaimed Alcatraz of the North. Joining us now are the Michigan History Center's Mark Harvey and former sports writer for the Detroit Free Press and the Detroit Red Wings and current Novi Community Schools communications specialist, Bill Roos. Good to have you both with us. Thanks, Cynthia. Thank you. Good to be with you. Bill, I want to set the stage here. Here we're talking the 1950s, and the Detroit Red Wings were really at the height of the Gordie Howe glory days, winning that string of Stanley Cups. So what happened in the offseason? They marched the players out for a media campaign? Yeah, a lot of times in the off-seasons, what they would do to satisfy advertisers on the radio during the season, they would go out on barnstorming trips. And this particular time, it was general manager Jack Adams and terrible Ted Lindsay went up to the UP. And so what happened when they had that visit in the UP? Well, they were up there for the Strobe Brewing Company, and they visited Marquette and went into the prison where they were met by the warden, and they got a tour of the place and, and met some of the inmates, many of whom quite notorious, were from Detroit in the uh, Purple Gang, uh, if you're familiar with them. They were in there for some hard time, some nasty crimes, some murders, and a lot of bootlegging. And so these guys, they were the toughest of the tough, and that place was called uh, Alcatraz of the North for obvious reasons. Mark Marquette, as we just heard, the Alcatraz of the North. Uh, give us an idea of what were conditions like in the mid-'50s. Marquette was built in 1889, so it was this Victorian fortress. When you drive up the drive, you're met by this castle-like structure. It was meant to be imposing, and it, it was. I visited there myself. Even when you're not supposed to be in there, you, you just don't want to be there. And cells were small. They do not have toilet facilities in the cells. They were cramped. In some recounts, it was said the wardens wouldn't issue long underwear during the frigid winters just because if someone escaped, they didn't want them to be too comfortable out there in the UP woods. Tough place. So where did this idea of a game begin, Bill? Well, it was on that trip in the summer of 53, and the warden, Emery Jacques, had said as, as the wings were leaving, Mr. Adams, you know, I'd love to have you come back here sometime and play my prisoners in an ice hockey game. And really at that time, according to Ted Lindsay, Jack kind of dusted it off as if, you know, yeah, sure, it was just pleasantries and, hey, thanks for having us. He never thought he'd hear him again. He goes, no, but really, we would love to have you guys up here. And so Jack kind of played along and said, listen, if you pay for our airfare, you put us up, we'll more than gladly come up and play you guys during the season. Lo and behold, a couple months later, the warden calls Jack Adams up and says, guess what? We're all lined up. We can bring you guys up. And so Jack really had no other way out of this. He made a promise to him if he, if he came through, and he did. So the Wings marched up there. They had a three-day break in between games. It was February 2nd, and they had just come back from Chicago, and they went up to Marquette, the whole team. Now, some of them were a little apprehensive. Red Kelly had told me that he wasn't thrilled about going up there. Like Mark talks about how imposing the prison was, he says his knees were knocking as they were coming up to the prison. Oh. Ted was a tough guy. I mean, Ted 
Ted wasn't bothered by it. Matter of fact, on the trip prior, Ted had his picture taken with his fake prison ID, and you know he just kind of reveled in the whole idea. Plus, the prisoners loved Ted because Ted led the league in penalty minutes. Ted, you know, they call him Terrible Ted for a reason. Yeah. If you ever saw him up close in the the countless scars on his face, those guys loved this. He was a hero. You know, a lot of them had never met these people. It wasn't like today with the internet and every game being televised. They heard games on radio and and they read accounts in in the newspapers. So to see Ted up close, they thought he kind of looked like they did, you know, just kind of beat up and and weathered. And a fighter. Mark, you came across some information that kind of hints there might be another twist or an added twist to the story of how this game came to be. The other important thing to remember is that this wasn't the... Department of Corrections sponsoring this game. In fact, once the warden, you know, put the invitation out there and it was accepted, he took that to heart and, and was a little afraid of what he had just promised to do. So he had to quickly scramble and connect with the local Marquette Sentinels semi-pro team, get the business leaders in the community to help raise those funds to get the team up there. So part of that three-day trip. They they did play the prison game first, and then that same evening, and again, this doesn't usually happen nowadays in professional sports, they had dinner at the prison, went back to their hotel, and then showed up for an evening game with the Marquette Sentinels. <laughs> Something tells me that the Alcatraz of the North, Marquette Prison, did not come equipped with a hockey rink. So, Bill, how, how did this thing all come together? Well, the prison had a director of physical activities. His name was Oki Brum. And Oki was a former University of Michigan hockey player. When this whole idea came about, he was kind of taxed with the duties of putting this rink together with a lot of material that would have otherwise been thought of as being uh, used to escape such a place. Mm -hmm. And so he couldn't use a lot of inmates to help them, not until a lot of the boards and a lot of the infrastructure was already in place. So there was a lot of concern about who he could use to help put this rink together. But once he put that rink together and the wings stepped on that ice, Gordie Howe famously said that that was the best ice he had ever skated on his entire career. Wow. So they they did a great job. So game day arrives, and, and I love the name the Marquette Prison Pirates. Were they able to keep up with the likes of Terry Sawchuck and Gordy Howe and Ted Lindsay? Well, I'm going to guess that your guess would be no, and you would be correct. <laughs> uh, they, I would guess no. <laughs> yeah. According to Ted, the, the score was 18 nothing after the first period. But everyone was having such a, a fun time that they just kind of switched jerseys. There was a prisoner ended up being a centerman between Gordy and Ted, and Terry Sawchuck joined the prison Pirates team, put on their jersey, and went into their goal. So it, it was just a fun afternoon after that. And, and after the 18 nothing first period, nobody continued to keep score. Just let's have fun. Mark, you found some records that perhaps point to a little maybe gamesmanship from the warden? Yeah, there's day books that are filled out by the warden in their office, and it, we have no real proof. But there's some suspicious transfers prior to the, the game, and then the same prisoners go back out. The other, <laughs> the other thing that's really funny is that there's a lot of prisoners that were coming up for parole, and they just didn't want to get paroled before this game. You know, this was the highlight of the year or years of these people being here, and so they didn't want to miss it by, you know, something silly like getting freed. So <laughs> they're trying to figure out how to not get paroled but not be there for years <laughs> further. So Kind of stacking a of, things a little bit there. Yeah, and I think another fun 
tidbit is that after the game, the prisoner pirates became to be known as Emery's Boys, after named after the warden. Oh, boy. I just love it. And I, I'm interested, Bill, as you talked to Ted Lindsay about that game, what they think about it in hindsight? What did the players think about that whole thing? I mean, you had some players saying their knees were knocking as they walked into Marquette. Yeah, well, like Red Kelly was worried because he remembered murders that had taken place not far from Ma Shaw's place off of Grand River. And those were committed by Purple Gang members that he knew were now imprisoned up in, in Marquette. So he had a real phobia about that. But afterwards, talking to him and Ted both, everybody won. They loved the fact that these guys just came out as perfect gentlemen, as Ted described them. They all respected the game. And everyone, like I said, everyone just had a lot of fun that afternoon. As an odd postscript to the end of the game, here are the Stanley Cup champions. Mm -hmm. And after they won, they, they were brought to center ice and they were presented with the prison's version of the Stanley Cup, which was called the Honey Bucket, which was a mm -hmm. chamber pot. <laughs> they also were they also were each gifted a hand-tooled leather wallet with the winged wheel logo on it that the prisoner arts department had made for them. This is an awesome story. The Wings' very first outdoor game in prison at Marquette. Thank you so much for sharing this story with us. Mark Harvey with the Michigan History Center and former sports writer for the Detroit Free Press and the Detroit Red Wings, Bill Roos. Thank you, Thank Cynthia. Thank you very much.